Riot Squad, a female-powered media agency proudly presenting Camp Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first and only DIY punk rock summer camp, September 1st through 3rd in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Come camp with us for three nights of non-stop punk rock all weekend long, with over 40 bands and tons of activities. Tickets on sale now at camppunksylvania.com. That's camp, P-U-N-K-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A dot com. See you there. Are you enjoying this podcast? Consider supporting this show. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey y'all, it's T Biggs from Long Story Short. I want to talk to you about a new targeted knowledge base for independent entertainers, inspiring Politician, entrepreneurs in the GPE slash e-commerce space looking to sell products and services called the Indicate. You can't beat the wealth of knowledge with subscriptions ranging from one to five dollars. Head over to patreon.com slash the Indicate to get in on this now. That's Indy I N D E C A V E. And remember, listen to the long story short in the barbecue podcast right here on the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network. Turn it up. It's your life. The mixtape. I'm Greg Howard Jr., podcaster, TikToker, public nuisance. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life through the songs that had an impact on them. A bit of a warning, uh, there may be some cussing, so if that's not your thing, feel free to skip that part. Um, also, we may get into some heavy subjects, so if that's not your thing either, you can skip those parts too. But uh, don't skip too much because we talk about some really great songs in this episode. Welcome to uh, another episode of Your Life the Mixtape. This week, I am very pleased uh, to welcome to the the show, uh, friend of the show, friend of all my shows, uh, friend of the entire network, and one of my favorite people in the entire world. Please, uh, listeners all over the world, welcome the one and only Tori. Hi. Hello. How you doing? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so, fan of music? Absolutely. I'm a bit Convenient. of a music nerd. Convenient uh, for the show. Um, That's why I badgered you to get me on it. <laughs> you know what? I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Um, so, what is your favorite song right now? I have two. I have one that I've recently acquired, and that's Magic by Kylie Minogue. Okay. It is an absolute, it's a bop, it's a vibe. It, every time it comes on, it's like my mood literally, get, if I'm having a bad day, it makes it better. And if I'm having a great day, it is the best day. And the other that I always come back to is my favorite Sade song, Love is Stronger Than Pride. Those are both fantastic songs. Um... Kylie's Kylie's good for a mood booster. Um, she makes appearances on several of my playlists, uh, actually. Mine too. Mine too. I'm. I. I remember when I first got into her. I kind of did a whole backtrack of her back catalog, and now, at the older I get, the more I appreciate it. And also, I mean, as a queer, it's only fitting. Right. Right. <laughs> and ever whenever Madonna kind of does a what the fuck moment, it's good to know that I'm a fan of the classier reinventor. <laughs> uh, so side note, uh, and this is more uh, listeners at, at, at home. You you can't see this. I am obsessed with your sofa cover. <laughs> 
It's actually a comforter that I threw over the sofa because this I'm crashing at a friend's house right now. So when I moved back from my parents' house in Kentucky, he let me stay in his downstairs suite because another living situation fell through. Because when I came out as trans, I didn't, I haven't told my parents yet, but it's totally fine. They don't do technology, but he was like, you can stay in my downstairs space. So I'm like, okay, good. Well, his parents stay here the two times out of the year they come here. And it literally looks like something out of a waiting room. Can't see it, but I'm, well, I'm not, you can't see the couch, but this is an Opal house by Target comforter that I threw over it because I'm like, in case I need a backdrop, I need something a little more aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. And Opal House by Jungle O is absolutely aesthetically pleasing. I, I love it. My my shower curtain is actually Opal House. So, but yeah, I wanted to give the I'm a guest on your show, and I wanted to give you something better to look at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so taking it back a little bit, uh, what is the first song that you remember hearing? Ah, picture it. 1989. I was about three years old and I'm at my grandparents' house because I was born in Stockbridge, Stockbridge, Georgia. And we live next door to my mom's parents and they always had the radio on and they're big fans of Dolly, as am I. And it's why'd you come in here looking like that? Yes. Fantastic. I distinctively remember just hearing that phrase and also recognizing for some reason that it was Dolly, even though I was like three or four years old. So it, that one has stuck with me. It's one of my favorite Dolly songs. I love that. And it's also uh, one of my favorite Dolly tracks. Also a very iconic music video. Yes. <laughs> Every year on Dolly's birthday, I'll, I'll post on one of my social media pages, like my favorite Dolly songs or videos. And I love reposting that video because <laughs> I love that era of Dolly, the white limousine era. Yes. So what is the song that always makes you cry? It's actually it's an interesting choice. It's a show tune. It's I Am What I Am from La Caja Fall because Sometimes even when I think about, like I, I was a real crybaby growing up. And as I get got older, I kind of push it down. Now, whenever I cry, my body has this response to push it down. And then when it, the floodgates open, I cry for every time I didn't. So it's like, you know, that Bugs Bunny cartoon with the big red thing, Gossamer, when he puts his hands in mousetrap. <laughs> That's me. But um, I really identify with it the older I get because it's, it represents a lot of like the gayness, the fabulosity, the campness that I've kind of deprived myself of. So it just has much more of a relevance to me now. And it still makes me cry when I think about it, specifically the original version by George Hearn. And also thinking of like Ginger Minj singing it to Harvey Firestein at like the Logo Awards. Yeah. I just, I, it, it just is so important to me now. So that's one that instantly, like when I hear it, I start to get choked up and start to kind of push it down a little bit. Another one, an honorable mention is Adele's Make You Feel My Love. Okay. Because it's kind of like the relationship I want, that kind of sweet romance. And of all the Adele songs to make me cry, the one that does it is the love song. How fucked up is that? <laughs> but just when she gets to... Um, the last verse of the song, like I could make you happy, make your dreams come true. It always just, it gets me, especially when I think of that Adele video at the BBC where she dressed up as an Adele impersonator. Yeah. And punk those girls. It's just so like, so it's good for us. It's good for a lonely cry. It's good for a happy cry. It's good for when I don't want to go through all of my repressed <laughs> emotions. <laughs> like I am what I am does and just <sighs> sit there and cry. Uh, do you prefer the studio version or the live version? Live version. That is the correct answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what is the song that is just absolutely terrible, but you love it? Like, what's your what's your guilty pleasure song? Well, as a defender of pop music and an older millennial, you know, I grew up with loving all of like the pop girls of the late '90s and early 2000s. And so my answer is, <laughs> as a former drag queen, you might get a kick out of this. I want to be bad by Willa Ford. Okay, that's not a terrible song. It's not a terrible song, but 
side note, I, this TikTok video, this TikTok user, uh, Blakely Thornton, came across my For You page, and he said, do y'all remember Willa Ford, the RC Cola of the blonde pop girls? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair, but like, I, I, it, I think it's still pretty decent, but at the same time, if that song comes on at a party, you know who you want to avoid. Because they're the ones who get turned up to it if you're not already half right. in the bag. <laughs> right. But, you know, I give her credit because she was 20 years old and wanted to be like the anti-Britney. She wrote the song herself and she tried to, you know, forge her own little path there. And if it comes on, I will still play the shit out of it. <laughs> my I other choice, my other choice was Candy by Mandy Moore as a total Mandy Moore lover. Also not a, also not a, a terrible song. But 14 years old equating not equating a crush to like sugar withdrawal having a 14 year old sing songs <laughs> like a song like that i'm like she was 14 this is how my brain works she was 14 when she got signed and then 14 when she recorded it and 15 when it was released and i'm like um is that i'm thir- she's two years older than me i was 13 and i'm like should she be singing this song <laughs> and i still love it because it sounds like robin's song do you know what it takes Oh, it sure does. Remarkably similar because I feel like every label wanted their Britney and Mandy was their Britney, her label's Britney. And um, I really think Americans or the American producers wanted to hook Britney up with Max Martin, who helped Robin make this white girl Euro pop version of R&B. And so Mandy's producers actually got it right with that song. I feel like um, Willa Ford would have been more successful had she not been dating Nick Carter when her career launched. She dated him for four years. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, the funny thing is a connection between Willa Ford and Mandy. They're both from Orlando and their names are both Amanda Lee. Huh, I didn't know that. Willa said that on um, Danny Pellegrino's podcast, she was doing a reality show about a couple of years ago where she was Scott Disick's designer. She does interior design now. Well, good for her. But yeah, I really think dating Nick Carter <laughs> really put a damper on her because I remember back in those days, the websites dedicated to cyberbullying her. Yeah. Lots yeah, of hate, uh, lots of it, horrible... The message boards and the message boards, the angel fire the and geocitizen. The aim chat rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was white trash. I did the MSN chat rooms. <laughs> uh, what is for you the best song to sing in the shower? Nobody's supposed to be here by Deborah Cox. That is correct. That is that is the correct answer. And that song's got a lot of good remixes. So it depends on what kind of shower you're taking. You could do the slow to fast remix. You could do the Hex Hector remix. You could do the album version. Nobody did a fucking remix in the late 90s and early 2000s like Hex Hector. Exactly. I absolutely agree. And that one is a really good one to just... Because mm-hmm. I, I, I turn the shower water on before I get in the shower to let it warm up. And then I start the track. And I start with some harmony to, to, to warm up <laughs> with the water. And then I let the shower happen. And yes, I wash my legs in the shower. Fantastic. Fantastic. The, the Hex Hector remix of Nobody's Supposed to Be Here is like 45 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I love every minute of it. And I will mm-hmm. listen to every fucking minute of it. I do too. Same with his remixes for Anastasia. Yes. Also, somebody who should have been bigger in America. Yep, I agree. Um, There was a show on MTV. The Cut. Yes. (laughs) With Lisa Lefty Lopez. Yeah, not many, not many people remember it, but that was that was kind of Anastasia's big break, Mm -hmm. and they like she she's fucking huge in Europe. Like she is, she is their white Aretha over there. Um, But um, yeah, she just like outside of, outside of the gays, uh, she just, she didn't, 
It doesn't make any sense to me, really, because she's stunning. She looks like Portia de Rossi. And when she opens her mouth, Tina Turner comes out. Or like cross between Tina Turner and Taylor Dane. Because when I first listened to her first album, yeah, I'm like, who is this? Yeah, she's very, she's very much, she was very much in the late 90s Taylor Dane. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember her on the cut because I remember her. She looked like she fell into a 90s cliche clothes trash bin. She had the bucket hat. She had pigtails. She had this purple jacket, like feathery, Fran Fine looking jacket. Yes. Because she was like a dancer and a singer in the early new- 90s uh, New York freestyle scene. Because that's how she knew Michelle Visage from Drag Race. Yeah. Um, I just, I remember that that's her song uh not that kind was stuck in my head for a couple of years after after that show um i'm really trying hard to not just randomly start singing every song we mention right now because that's yeah, we, how, can't, we don't we yeah. don't have the budget for that nope. <laughs> um, we don't have paul abdul money right <laughs> what is the song that best summarizes what love is by your side by Sade. i love i love love songs that are about trust and security and that song is just i remember when that song came out and i was in love with that video because she was so stunning in that video and that was my first exposure i'd heard a handful of her singles on the radio through the 90s like specifically of course smooth operator but that song, I've always, always loved that song and that album it's from. Because it's just, it's really a sweet way to say, I got you. And a couple other choices, B-sides, if you will. <laughs> I, um, both British girls too. There's a singer named Joan Armitrading, who's a singer and songwriter who is absolutely terrific. And she released an album a couple years ago called Not Too Far Away. And the closing song is called Loving What You Hate. Yes. which is, it's very much, it's not just, I love everything about you, but it's, I truly love and accept all the things about you that you may not appreciate. And another good choice is Dido's Thank You, which I would say, I, it's, it's an interesting choice, but um, I love it when she says, you know, I've had the worst day and I came home to you and you made it the best day. Okay. But my, cho- but my answer is by your side. By side. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that question, uh, what, what is the best song about a breakup? Best Thing I Never Had by Beyonce. Good answer. Solid choice. I like it. I love it when B gets petty. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic video also yes Um, it is and she wrote that song with babyface which makes it even better right right what is a song that you once loved uh but you've listened to it recently and you realize that it's it's shit it's terrible the choice i picked was it's amazing how i came into this song because it's when I was a kid, I was all about trying, you know, in my I'm not gay stage, I had to, I tried to like force myself into being into like really douchebag kind of rock and roll. And so it's Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith. That's the way fair. it's described, I don't, I think musically it's terrific, but the lyrics are like, it's about, mis- it's about mistaking a man for a woman and then also insinuating that Desmond Child really kind of pissed me off when he talked about it. He's like, do you know it's, do you know that song's about a T word, T slur? Yeah. Which just really bothers me. And I just can't, I can't, the way, the way it's used in pop culture really turns me off and I just can't be about it anymore. It's, it hasn't aged well. That's, we'll, 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 we'll give it that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely over the years become quite uh, problematic. Uh, 
uh, I did, I knew a drag queen in Atlanta who that was one of her staple numbers. Um, mm. Just as kind of a fun fuck you. But, um, but yes, to your point, it's, it's problematic as fuck. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what is the greatest song from a film soundtrack? I went with Eye to Eye by Tevin Campbell from a Goofy movie. Nice. Excellent choice. That is a song. You turn that on and you will see heads turn and get turned up because the absolute joy people of a certain age have with that song. It makes me so happy. And I, I, I put that on a playlist a lot, too. I like um, that about the middle of last year uh one of the big tiktok trends was people doing the eye to eye dance um i'm dressed as power line yes that made uh, me very happy because i I've love got, cosplay filled with joy i've got several of those videos in my favorites so when i'm i'm having a a shit day i'll go watch those and i do it, too actually it makes me happy um it makes me happy too i love that i feel like I read a lot of people, you know, the character of Powerline was based on, I know a lot of people who've been on this podcast choose, you know, Bodyguard, I Will Always Love You, and Excellent Choice. I think there's a connection with Tevin, too, because I feel like a lot of his riffs remind me of Whitney. Like, he kind of took a little bit from Whitney's blueprint. And the interesting connection there is, like, the character of Powerline was not just, like, Michael Jackson or Prince, but also based on Bobby Brown. Well, it was originally the voice of Powerline was Bobby Brown. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget what happened, uh, but like there, there was some kind of controversy and they swapped Bobby for Tevin. Um, so, yeah. What, what television show has uh, the best theme song? Reba sitcom. I'm a survivor. Solid answer. Fair answer. Um, I was going to say Golden Girls, but I that song just still kind of makes me sad right now. <laughs> that is actually, Golden Girls is the most popular answer to this question. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy that Reba finally released a full-length version of I'm a Survivor. Mm -hmm. um, we, were, we were owed that. Yep. <laughs> and I love I, I occasionally I'll see Reba trending, trending on Twitter excuse me and I love seeing how many people love that song and love that sitcom especially for the theme song because it got a lot of redos over the seasons as this show went about and it just gets better and better and it's just a great song I recently heard um I was working on something for another show um, and Megan Trainer covered the Friends theme song mm -hmm. and it's a thousand times better mm. and I don't even care for her that much but mm -hmm. Same. That, um, it's also along the lines of in the final season of uh, One Tree Hill when you know shit went really off the rails mm -hmm. uh, for <laughs> For, for those of you that, that stuck with one, one Tree Hill through the final season, uh, you know that it, the last season was absolutely batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, the opening was done by different artists for every episode. Um, but yes, fantastic answer. I'm a survivor. I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What what is the song that whenever it comes on you just absolutely you've got to dance to it? And this one has been with and has been one of those for years for me, and it's "If" by Janet Jackson. Fuck yes, yes it is. I and it's not even just the supreme guitar sample for the dance break; it's the whole freaking song because her music just does something to me where it's literally like plugging in, and my body chemistry changes with the way I move. Love Will Never Do Without You is my favorite Janet song. And when it comes on, like my walk changes, Nasty comes on and I'm doing the, you know, rib isolations that clearly Paula Abdul took from, you know, her Bob Bossy in, um, inspiration. Um, but yeah, I, 
I really want to learn that entire dance routine of if. <laughs> it's um, I I know a, a few people who have done it for like competitions and stuff, and they said that it's no fucking joke. Yeah, that's the thing about Tina Landon; she'll fuck you up, but oh, in yeah. a good way. <laughs> she will. She will ruin your fucking life. Oh my goodness. Um, I hope I hope Tina Landon's having a good day. Me too. Um. Also, another iconic uh, music video that's like 12 minutes long. Um, yes. <laughs> the, the whole Jackson family, they were, they were going to give you visuals. Yes. One of my favorite things to watch whenever I'm having a day is Janet's, Janet closing the VMAs that year with mm-hmm. that song. At, well, that's yeah. the way love goes going into that song. And then it goes from like the backdrop just changes to like the recreation of the video as a lot of pop stars did where they would, you know, recreate the visuals of the music video on stage. So good from so many good angles too. Yeah. And I, I feel like not enough, not enough people do that now at the award shows, um, especially the VMAs. Uh, the nineties VMAs were something special. Yes. Uh, what is the song that means the most to you not necessarily because the song itself the song itself could be just absolute trash um it's maybe this time from cabaret specifically liza minnelli's version her first version before she put it they put it in the movie for her liza had been singing that song since she was 18 since she put it on her first album in 1964 and it is this, it's a little slower, but it has a full 60 piece orchestra. It is, it's so, 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 so good. I first found that song when I was in high school, Debbie Gibson released a Broadway album yes, she called did. Colored Lights. And she yes, put maybe this time on it because she sang it when she played Sally Bowles in Cabaret opposite Neil Patrick Harris as the MC. And that was where she kind of inadvertently re- introduced me to musical theater because I was a big Debbie Gibson fan when I was, I mean, I have been for years, but when I was younger, my sister made fun of me, but my sister was a teenage, was a kid in the eighties and she bought the perfume. So, you know, the electric youth perfume. Um, But I found that she had been into theater because it kept her sane because I was watching all these pop stars and kind of taking notes because I was a chunky 13 year old wanting to be a pop star. So I'm taking notes, watching behind the music every two seconds. But um, I found that album and it introduced me to a lot of musicals that I hadn't been familiar with. And maybe this time has been one that really plays into my cautious optimism of just maybe, maybe, maybe. And for a long time, especially over the last couple of years with my gender identity journey, it's been one that kind of reached its hand out to me and say, you know, you will have another time. It will maybe this time. You got a few more in you. You'll be fine. So it always, it's always one that I come back to whenever I'm really, really low. It's got to happen. Happen sometime. Love that. Um, Debbie Gibson also played uh, Roxy Hart in Chicago, um, which I saw on stage. Uh, she was in a touring production and nice. was fucking fantastic. Um, and she did a um, kind of a cabaret themed centerfold for Playboy that same mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, which was I remember tasteful, that. Tasteful and lovely. Um, which was not really Playboy's thing. Um, and now coincidentally enough, Pamela Anderson is playing uh, Roxy Hart and Chicago. She's I know. You know <laughs> I, I I wish her all the best. Yes. Um, okay, so this next question. Um the version of the question that I sent to you when um I first booked you for the show uh has since changed. Mm-hmm. Um the for the listeners at home the original version of this uh question that you can hear uh in other episodes uh is gun to your head what song could you sing all the way through and not fuck up a word in um but in a recent uh recording 
uh, with actually, I think, uh, I think you're friends with him as well. Our Twitter friend, Mike, um, you know, Mike. I don't think I do actually. Maybe. Yeah, you do. You know, Mike, everybody knows Mike, uh, silver Fox, Mike. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. His episode was really good. Yeah. So, uh, on his episode, uh, we, I don't remember why we changed it. Uh, but so I think it was question, his suggestion, like he renamed it <laughs> inadvertently. Yeah. Um, so if you were on RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, what, what is the song that you would absolutely kill a lip sync for your life to? Fancy by Reba. I know it's already been used, but <laughs> they owe Kennedy Davenport an apology for having her sit there do, inviting her on to do a park and bark when Miss Kennedy Davenport does not do park and barks. She will, she is a performer. And I'm not going to comment on this cracker. Um, but you need a Southern girl who will stand there and sell you that story. Uh Miss Cracker is a stand-up comedian. Uh, she is not a um, a club uh, performer, and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Um, She's very funny. She yeah, knows her absolutely. comedy. Um, there are Miss Cracker, and you know, to a certain extent, uh, very much like. Bob the Drag Queen, mm-hmm. uh, Monet Exchange, um, very northern style of drag where you know you can do the stand-up comedy and you can go to the comedy bars in drag. Uh, whereas you know those of us that came up in southern drag, you know mm-hmm. uh, Kennedy Davenport. Uh, you know, we and and myself, I was an Atlanta queen for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we came up in in the bars and, you know, the pageant scene is a big deal. Yep. Uh, Ginger Minge is very much a Southern drag queen. In mm-hmm. that, you know, anyway, um, but yes, to to your point, uh, they it was just failed. a very what what the fuck moment with that they, song. Yeah, they failed Kennedy Davenport um, in that moment and several others. Um, but we'll that's neither here nor there. We'll save that for another show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the song that uh, reminds you of home? This is a song that I would play constantly on the jukebox at my grandmother's Waffle House store because I was born in Stockbridge and I lived there till I was six and then my dad moved us to Kentucky for reasons that are for another show (laughs) and (laughs) we would come back and visit and Stockbridge my grandparents house was always home to me that is where I felt at home and it's (laughs) Romeo by Dolly Parton and friends nice that song, I played that on the jukebox all the time because I loved Dolly, and that was Billy Ray's big moment when he first burst onto the scene, and it included Kathy Matea, Mary Chippen Carpenter, Tanya Tucker, Pam Tillis, all women I grew up listening to when my grandparents would have the radio going on summer break when I would be, they had a pool. So they had grass and an in-ground pool in their backyard, so this was good for me. But that is where I always felt at home, and... You know, it's I chose it because it's Dolly and there's the Waffle House connection of playing songs on the jukebox and all the women she sang with. Those are women that I grew up listening to and still love to this day because women in the 90s in country music, especially, were able to really make a lot of really good stuff. This is true. This is true. And the song is just hilarious. My favorite thing about it is in the video, you got Dolly with her peak 90s hair walking out with Billy Ray saying, well, of course I knew I'd get you. I'm the one paying for the video. (laughs) What is the uh, sexiest song? Will Downing, The Warmth of You. It's a fairly new song, but let me tell you, it is 
his voice is like, I listen to the watercolor station, uh, Sirius XM. And he also plays on the heart and soul station too. His voice is like a massage. This man, this, the whole part of this song is like a vibe and it's versatile for, you know, possibly making out, um, maybe doing a little more, just, it is a very sensual, soulful, very sexy song. <laughs> when I heard it, I'm like, that is a very sexy song. Cause it's about, it could be about straight up fucking. It could be about, I just want to be in your embrace. Cause she says, I can't wait to feel the warmth of you. And that can be used on many levels. <laughs> but it's also very classy. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm actually not familiar with that song. Uh, so I will have to check that out. Um, it's got a good groove. It's good for grooving. What is what is the song that you most relate to? Like anytime you hear it, you're like, that's me. I also have two with this one. This is I my first response was Silent All These Years by Tori Amos. Because yes. that song has had a major I name myself after Tori. And this is a main, it's a major significance to me because I've never trusted my voice for the longest time. And sometimes when I hear it, if I'm in the right mood, it just makes me, I have to excuse myself and collect myself because it just, it very much is, you know, I hear my voice and it's been here. It's never, it never went anywhere. I never gave it away. And like, there's a reference to what if I'm a mermaid and, you know, half human, half fish, somebody who gives their voice away for, you know, reasons unexplained. And it, it is one that I really still identify with since discovering it. And the other is our girl, Chris Summer, Deliciously Down. Yes. Because I'm a sensitive bitch too. And when it's, it really describes the way I deal with pain. There's a lyric I really love. I need some tears to rain down on me to melt my memory. And that is like, I need to get, I, I need to get this out of me and then move on. And that is also a song I find myself singing all the time. When I found that album, I found it at a CD warehouse. And when I listen to it, it is an unskippable album for me. That is correct. I remember I've loved her since I was a kid because I was, a, I'm a big voiceover nerd and I remember when Lenny Kravitz was promoting his album five, he had a behind the music and she was interviewed with her hippie John Lennon glasses talking about what a great guy he is. And then he produced a lot of the stuff on that album. He produced the entire album at the request of Lisa Bonet. Yep. And they've been very close for a long time. And she is so good with writing a melody that gets into your head and stays. She has such a good ear. And that is one of my all-time favorite albums. And she's a cancer too, like me. She's July, I'm June. And that is very much how I, when I first heard it and the more I listen to it now, I'm like, yeah, that is how I deal with pain. That is, I slide deliciously down to where I hurt the least. It's so fucking good. I love that song. Yes. Um, somebody- An album, say again? Somebody I would love to have on the show. So uh, Cree, if by chance you are, you are listening, please come do my show. Um, do the show, do the show. <laughs> but uh, also, I'd, I want to say that it's it's nice uh, that uh, I can, I know that you're a fan of the show, um, and I can always tell people who have listened to the show, uh, because when they have more than one choice, they don't ask if it's okay. They're just like, I have two choices. Because I'm, I'm always like, yeah, sure, it's fine. It's, it's whatever. I, I got shit going on. Like, talk. Like, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's go. I got all the time in the world. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. No I, but yeah, Tori, Silent All These Years and Deliciously Down. My favorite song on the Street Fairy album is Fall. Mm. That's, it's got, it, that has the jazz flute and it's um, the meta, a metaphor of a falling leaf of a dying relationship. And the vocal on that is so good. Yes, uh, she she is she is working on uh, new music right now, um, and I am beside myself waiting for it. 
anytime uh, she posts something on Instagram and it's her singing, I'm like, what is that song? Where is that from? Did I miss something? Right. There are there are only a handful of people that I have notifications uh, turned on for, and she is one of them. The other is my hood. Um, <laughs> because of. Um, I know who we're speaking of, so I'm not going to be coy yes. and say, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is the song that defined your generation? Look at me by Jerry Halliwell. Fuck yes, it was. Yes. The year was 1999. It's like, if that does not, that they say the best music of your life, Dave Holmes of you know, former MTV VJ, Dave Holmes, who has a podcast called homophilia. He'll ask people like what they're listening to. And he said, you know, they say the best music of your life come out the year you turn 13. I've kind of amended it to you find some of the best music of your life the year you turn 13. And I turned 13 in 1999 when Jerry released Schizophonic and that album, that song specifically, you know, superficial expectations, good looking, bad tasting, fake honey, real plastic. Are we not? Is that that is like the total scope of the millennial experience <laughs> also an unskippable album yes i agree one of one of the one of the few uh from that came out of the the spice girls uh solo careers um north star by melanie c mm-hmm. another one mm-hmm. um emma's, and- emma's second album free me her 60s themed album is one of my favorite pop albums ever. It is so like just aesthetically stunning to me. Uh, Melcy also um, in the past couple of years, uh, she was Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar. Her musical theater album is really good. Fucking fantastic. Her version of Maybe This Time, she uses Liza's original arrangement. Okay. But but let me and I'm I'm gonna reference um, a question that we've already gone through. Um, her version of Joni Mitchell's "Both Sides Now" is the song that always makes me cry, without fail. Excellent, um, excellent choice. And a lot of people sleep on Victoria Beckham's uh, solo career, but she had some some really good kind of uh, deep house cuts. I replay uh, I replayed her album the other day and like the there's some really good like pop light R and B stuff that's yeah. really good. The only songs mm-hmm. that bring the album down are the Schmaltzy Love songs. Yeah, yeah, that was. But if I were married to David ballads. Beckham, I would have Schmaltzy Love songs too. Right, but ballads ballads not her strong suit, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. They could have been if she was a more confident singer, but she knew what she was good at and never really wanted to nurture her voice. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's got that her her fashion empire is untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, just classic pieces. I love it. Um, I love that whole family. Uh, except for uh, they have one kid that I don't care for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, it shouldn't speak about children that way. Um, and it's it's not the dog. Um, <laughs> it's it's the others. Shit, I forgot where we were on the list. Hang on, I gotta find my place again. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, okay. There it is. Find the generation. Yeah, Next question. That was, the, that was the last question. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the greatest song ever written? Running up that hill by Kate Bush. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. I can see it. I'll allow it. Yeah. I, you know, I am a fan of this podcast and I've listened to pretty much everybody's choice. And I absolutely agree. I will always love you. And Jolene are very solid choice or like the, if this was family feud, it would be hard pressed to find what the number one answer was between those (laughs) two. Um, But I really, I think one of the reasons I chose running up that hill is what makes it such a great song. Aside from the fact that, you know, duh, is that I've yet to hear a bad cover of it. Same with Jolene, actually. And it's a song that 
really you can't i will always love you is um whitney's version is the best but if you've heard melissa etheridge's version yeah yeah no absolutely like when um, you say not a bad cover it's like she'd like a word <laughs> right she has entered the chat yes um, as much as i love her as a queer woman but oy. yeah that's a, another one who ballads not her strong yeah but i really think i kate bush's song it at one it, it sounds very 80s but at the same time it's very very timeless it is such a well-structured song and it keeps get it keeps getting traction it was used on an episode of i think euphoria yeah and it's still being covered and i i'm surprised a lot more people haven't covered that song that's my choice for greatest song ever written because it's you know aside from objectively it's one of my favorite songs ever and objectively speaking like i really think she was highly underrated as a composer and songwriter absolutely aside from you know being a british quirky redhead um the fact that she was able to compose full songs she started you know writing when she was like a, a teenager and her first album was released when she was 18 or 19 with a lot of really good stuff that people still cover now the man with the child in his eyes um Wuthering Heights and then later on in the 80s where she started using synthesizers I just think that kind of use some people use her to be like well I'm not a Tori Amos fan I much prefer Kate Bush it's like why do you only care about Kate Bush right now you know right. what I mean but yeah that is my choice for greatest song ever written it's absolutely terrific it is it is a fantastic song and I will let you have it um mm -hmm. I feel like there um, there are some people like when she started using the synthesizers um, that like it was almost too close. Granted, like you know, not that there's I'm saying one of these groups is better than the other, mm -hmm. uh, but there was it was almost a female version of the Pet Shop Boys. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be that could be where a lot of a lot of that is. Um, but I have an entire playlist that is actually only Kate Bush and the Pet Shop Boys um, for you know when I'm I'm feeling super emotional and super gay at the time. Um, <laughs> and you need to be, you need to have a nice ambient hug. <laughs> right, right. That is that is that is where I go. I you know I I smoke cloves and I drink craft beer and <laughs> make a night of it. I love uh, it. <laughs> I love it. What is the song that you have or could listen to over and over again and never get tired of? Say You'll Be There by the Spice Girls. Mm, and okay. like, I will say, like, listen to the most from watching their VHS tape, One Hour of Girl Power from that's like culminating their first year of fame. They have like behind the scenes of making the Say You'll Be There video, like hearing that, hearing it on the radio, listening to it on my Walkman cassette, then on CD, then just constantly, constantly, constantly. My favorite Spice Girl song is Too Much from Spice World, okay. but Say You'll Be There came first. And that is probably the one that I have voluntarily listened to the most. It's one of my top favorite pop songs. And... Like that one has been with me the longest. I could have said If by Janet Jackson because the first album I ever bought was the Janet album when I was nine years old. Nine years old buying that album. But um, I bought two. It was that and Paul Abdul's Head Over Heels, her third album, which is kind of underrated. But, you know, nobody wants to listen to, four, to um, 14 songs. Four of them are ballads with Paul Abdul. <laughs> right, right, right. Not her good album. pops. Some good stuff on that album, though. But That's excellent, excellent answer. Um, Say You'll Be There is uh, my favorite Spice Girls song. Nice. Um, it's also my favorite video. I uh, freaking, I still, I love that video so, so much. I want Jerry Halliwell's wig in that a, video. There was just, you know, something, something fun about that video and 
you know, in the the mid nineties, you know, doing doing music videos in the desert was it. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't do a music video dancing in Mojave Desert, were you even a pop star? (laughs) That is correct. Um, But this one, this one was different because there were like backdrops and props and Mm -hmm. like they were obviously in the Mojave Desert, but it was it was a fun little spin and none of them were wearing like white linen suits. Um, So we'll we'll give them that. Um, now we don't like to be negative on this podcast, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it for just a second. Um, what's the worst song you've ever heard? This one was tricky because I had to pick a song that just cannot be saved. <laughs> Some songs that I don't like could be fixed by make, adjusting a lyric or having somebody different sing them who is not named Pat Moynihan um, or Adam Levine or Justin Timberlake, but. I picked, this is from somebody who I actually really like, and it's Jennifer Love Hewitt, Let's Go Bang. She's had four albums. Her second album when she was 16 was called Let's Go Bang. And the bang was supposed to be a dance. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) The lyrics, it's like you have this, another one of a teenager singing questionable lyrics. A 16-year-old, the lyrics are, let's go bang, I want to go bang. It was supposed to be like, because it was in the mid-90s among the dance crazes, and wow, she comes out with this crap. It's so yeah. bad. It's so bad. That's, that's completely <clears throat> fair. Um, but to her credit, in the early 2000s, she hopped on that kind of early acoustic pop John Mayer type thing, um, she had um, two very successful singles, uh, one of which was called How Do I Deal? It was on the I Still Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack. That's a great song. A I love that one. Fantastic. I love that song. And then, she had another one called Can I Go Now from the Bare Naked album. Yes, which Bare was, Naked her, was the other. Her singer-songwriter album, which I still love. It's really, it's, it was kind of a 90s singer-songwriter throwback before throwbacks were cool because mm-hmm. Meredith Brooks produced it and it was and co-wrote it and it was very it just had that vibe where it was just good relaxing acoustic guitar pop kind of like Cheryl Crow light yeah and I actually think Jennifer Love Hewitt has a really good voice but you know in the 90s when she was a little hottie it was kind of like yeah nobody nobody was here for it um it's it was kind of in the same in the same vein uh Mandy Moore released an album of covers uh coverage yeah um fantastic um, it's I really good. Like, it's actually really good. Yeah, I, I love her like version she, of Hole of the Moon by the Waterboys on it. Yeah. I feel and like she does a good Joni Mitchell cover. Done. If that had been her career, um, she she wouldn't be an actress right now. She would be she would be probably headlining Lilith Fair 2.0. Yes. Her and Jennifer Love Hewitt and Chris Summer <laughs> and I actually think Chris Summer performed at the original Lilith Fair. I think she did too. I'm almost positive she did. Um, I would like to see more of Meredith Brooks as well. Me too. Uh, fantastic guitar player, if if for nothing else. Highly just, underrated guitar player too. Yes, um, but she just she, there was never there was no way to follow up the gargantuan hit that was "Bitch." Like mm-hmm. there was. There was no follow-up. And that album was good. There yes, was some good absolutely. stuff on that album too. But it that one hit wonder label just couldn't shake. And she did a yeah. duet with Queen Latifah called Lay Down, mm-hmm. Candles in the Rain. That's really, really good. Yeah. And she one of my favorite songs of hers is this, her song What Would Happen that I think was on the Dawson's Creek soundtrack. Yep. Could be wrong. But yeah, that she was a really good songwriter, a really good song crafter. So yep. it's just really unfortunate that she couldn't break out of the whole uh, bitch mold. Yeah. Bitch still holds up, though. Yes, it does. And it still goes hard. Yep. Uh, what is your theme song? Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage. Ooh, nice. And it works on two levels because, you know, I love a rainy day. I don't like being out in the rain because you know white people smell like wet dogs when we come in from the rain 
And as much as I shower and, you know, moisturize and clean myself, I can't escape that. But um, like a wet dog doused in gain. But <laughs> I, love, I love relaxing on a rainy day. So I'm very happy when I have a rainy day inside. And also, you know, the whole um, moody 90s in your face. I'm only happy when it rains vibe of that song totally fits me because I fucking love Shirley Manson and Garbage. One of my favorite bands ever. And I had to have a garbage song on this playlist and that's it for me. I love it. I love it. Um, I feel like also that people sleep on uh, their James Bond track. Uh, the world. My favorite James Bond song. It's so good. It's, it's so good. Still her, so good. Her vocals are amazing and it is a more interesting listen than Skyfall. And I say Agreed. that as a fucking Adele, like super fan. Same, um, I agree. Skyfall is boring as fuck. <laughs> um, you know, of course, nobody will top Dame Shirley Bassey and mm-hmm. Tina Turner mm-hmm. as far as Bond theme song goes. But the world is not enough. Is is a good. It's, it's a also a terrific song on its own outside of a Bond yes. theme. It's just a fucking great song. Also a fantastic video. Yes. I remember watching the making of the video. <laughs> I wanted nothing more in the entire world when I saw that video than one of those fucking chairs that was a giant globe, but a chair on one side just so like I could sit in it and wait for people to come in the room and then turn around all dramatic and shit and be like all laid up in it. Like Shirley Manson, like that was, that was it. Oh, I, love it. Love it. Love I it, will, love it. I will know that I fucking made it when I've got one of those chairs. Yes. I love it. <laughs> that's where, that's where I'm at in my life. I um, actually, funny thing about that song. I almost sang that at an audition. I used to do musical theater and I was auditioning for a production of the Rocky horror show. And that was one of my song choices for Dr. Frankenfurter, along with Only Happy When It Rains too, because Shirley Manson's range is kind of where I want my voice to sit. And so I ended up singing some stupid fucking door song and screwed it up. But anyway, um, I was working on, I have a major stage fright of singing in front of people, but that was gonna be one of my song selections because I think it's a really good audition. It could be a really good audition song, especially if you fully commit to it. So since you mentioned stage fright, I will I will share a, a fun little inside story. Um, and it's it's ironic because of what I've chosen to do in my life. Um, I have crippling stage fright. Mm, really? Absol- absolutely crippling stage fright. Yep. Like if we were doing this interview face to face, I would shut down. Really? But I can I can do it like this. I can do it like this all day long. Yep. So there is that. <laughs> I don't I have stage right when I have to sing in front of people because singing is something that's very like my absolute be- greatest joy. And a few years ago I auditioned for a now very renowned asshole from the Atlanta Theater Company who's no longer Atlanta Theater Group, Atlanta Theater world who's no longer in the Atlanta theater world went off to Florida to uh, become a congressman, Republican congressman, a Republican uh, attempt at being a politician. Not going to say their name. Um, but this was before we found out what a name names. Brian Cloudus. All right. Saren B. Playhouse. They were doing Midsummer Night's Dream and I really want to play Puck one of these days. But anyway, I was going to audition out for him. This was before we found out what a slime ball he is. And I start my monologue and everything leaves my brain. I couldn't sing. I couldn't talk. I couldn't. A friend of mine said, your body rejected the audition. Your body already knew. And I'm just like walking around in circles, freaking out. It was like I I spat out like my I spat out my shell and I'm looking at the shell trying to be me. It was just really, really bad. And then I just I kind of never really recovered from that it took me a long time to really get to want to be back on stage again but um now that i'm more comfortable as myself i think i would have an easier time 
singing because I'm not acting on top of acting, trying to be yeah. something I'm not. But um, yeah, I'm glad I never got into the whole serendipity house thing. <laughs> uh, but we're not going to talk about him. Ugh. So what is what is the song that you just you always have to put it on a playlist? Doesn't matter what kind of playlist it is. Like this song is going to be on. And this was my first answer, but it made me laugh when I saw that you put, when you posted yours, that you put a song that is terrible, but you love it. And it's Say La Viva Bewitched. My <laughs> song that, my song that I always put on a playlist is their song, Blame It on the Weatherman. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs ever, literally ever. It is on, I listen to it so much. It's on all of my like daily mixes on Spotify. <laughs> nice. And I will always put it on the playlist. I am planning a trip to, if things kind of settle down a little bit to the UK and Ireland this summer as like a birthday present to myself for my 36th birthday. And I'm, I really want to go to Ireland, visit like a pub and see what happens if I break that song out of karaoke. <laughs> Nice, nice. I, I, I believe that it is considered kind of like a secondary national anthem. Uh, so <laughs> I think I think you'll be okay. Um, you should plan your trip around uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Mm. Um, I think you would thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. It. Nice. Thanks for the suggestion. Problem. Look, look into that. Because um, I've never been across the pond. You should definitely, definitely check that out. I definitely will. Thank you. So, uh, sometime in between the start of this podcast and this very moment, uh, you have died. Because Jennifer Love Hewitt has scopes. Yes. <laughs> Her people have scopes. Uh, she is. <laughs> She's actually outside your window right now. Uh, and she knows are... what I did last summer. <laughs> and we're all very ashamed of you. Everybody's <laughs> ashamed of me. <laughs> As it I'm should sorry, be. please continue. <laughs> um, so you are you are at the entrance to whatever afterlife type deal that uh, you believe in. Um, and before they will uh, let you in that big Studio 54 in the sky, uh, they're going to make a mixtape of your life. And the most important question of the past hour is now, what is the first song on that mixtape? You Gotta Be by Desiree. Fuck yes, it is. Fuck yes, it is. That is the correct answer. That's yes. another one of my all-time favorite songs because she's one I really, really love because she wrote her, her own music. Her voice was really great. But like when you listen to that song, it has kind of a vibe of like almost Attention Kmart Shoppers, the new Martha Stewart collection <laughs> is available. But that's my musical aesthetic. Like I love that. All of those kind of one hit wonders in the States, but we're way more famous like in the UK. Um, yeah. Like she had that song from Romeo and Juliet, Kissing which You, is which is fucking a fantastic. beautiful song. Her voice is like an oboe, like an instrument yeah. that just fits into the music. And, but the older I get, I'm not that old, I'm 35, but like the older I get, the more I just, I find solace in songs that have kind of grown up with me. That is one. That is the one that opens, you know, my mixtape. Not necessarily as I enter the gates of heaven, but like when we start the party, that's the one that lets everybody know it's okay. It's going to be I like okay. That. I like that. And for the record, uh, Desiree's song, Kissing You from Romeo and Juliet, should be every couple's first dance at their wedding or commitment ceremony. Um, if it's Agreed. not, I'm leaving and I'm taking my gift um that's <laughs> i'm taking the flowers excellent as it as it should be centerpiece like we're leaving with centerpieces we're taking the top of the cake so you don't get to celebrate your first anniversary um do the electric slide your damn self <laughs> <laughs> 
So that is um, the end of the show, my friend. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much uh, for being here this evening. Uh, I have enjoyed this immensely. Um, so if you have anything that you would like to plug or um, if you'd like to drop your social media handles, you are more than welcome to do that right now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. First off, thank you for letting me on the show. I have loved every minute of it myself. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Tori Renee Vondera, T-O-R-I-R-E-N-E-V-O-N-D-E-R-A. And all one word, all lowercase. And I'm actually, I've been developing, pushing around the idea of me, myself doing a podcast for a while. And over the last couple of months, it kindly, finally, kind of finally found a focus. So I've been developing one called Cherry Mouth, Cherry Mouth, about like my first experience with gender euphoria as a kid was when I would eat cherry flavored candy, which was my favorite flavor of like sweet stuff. And the cherry flavoring red dye would be left on my lips. And I loved it because it looked like lipstick. <laughs> so that it is a podcast where I tell some stories from my life and talk about the things I love under the whole thing of it being for the late bloomer who we all kind of grasped onto little things that brought us euphoria, brought us joy and gave us hope that one day they would really help us find our true authentic selves. And I'm a cancer. My whole personality is the little things in life. You know what I mean? So um, be on the lookout for that probably this summer. We uh, are going to talk more about this uh, when we're done recording. Ah, okay. All right. So uh, I will uh, drop uh, your socials in the um, episode description uh, so all the folks listening all over the world uh, can uh, follow you. Uh, I highly suggest that they do. Um, you are a joy and a blessing every time um, one of your posts comes across my timeline. Um, oh, so I just yeah. want you to know that I appreciate you. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we found each other in the land of social media. Um, Me too. You are, you are a gift, my friend. Thank you. Your Life the Mixtape is a dollop of Trollop production in association with Spring Break 83 Productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network. 